Good morning. How's everybody? Apostle Calloway did an awesome job, didn't he, last Sunday? If you were here, and uh, it's good to have a son in the Lord like that can let us have a little vacation. Went off with the family. Wife's dad from Texas drove down and met us there, and it just was a, a wonderful, wonderful time. Had all my kids, grandkids. And we was a terror on any restaurant we went in to try to get a table. It's hard to get a table for 20 people. <laughs> Amen. All right. Uh, Matthew chapter 6. I'll, I'll read these uh, three verses and then you can be seated. Verse 31, 32, uh, and 33. Today we're entitling this, and I love Father's Day. God bless all the, the fathers here for those of you. You as me, who your father has gone on to be with the Lord, you know, it's bittersweet. We miss him, don't we? Uh, terribly. But uh, if your dad's here, man, reach out to him. Hug him, love him. Uh, talk to him. That's, a, that's the thing I miss the most, I think. Just the ability to talk to my dad and just talk stuff out. And, uh, but uh, today I want you to know that you have your heavenly father. And a lot of people don't know that. They don't know God as Father. They don't even know He's their Father. But Matthew chapter 6, 31, Jesus said, Therefore do not worry. That'd be wonderful, wouldn't it? Uh, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? In other words, just the natural, practical things of life. He says, For after all these things the Gentiles seek. And when He uses that phrase there, He's referring to people that don't know Him as Father, don't believe in Him as Father. And then he uses that wonderful phrase, for your heavenly father, your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. You know God knows you need a light bill paid. He knows you need a car. He knows you need things in your life, practical things, things that are not going to translate into eternity, but he knows you need those things. And why does he do that? Because he's your heavenly father. He's your heavenly father. He's not a heavenly father. He's yours. And, uh, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. Amen. You can be seated in his presence. There's so many people. And when I started serving God uh, many, many years ago, uh, I did not, I'd have to confess, I didn't know him as father. I knew him as God. Or I thought I did. And, uh, but do you know Jesus never called uh, his father God? In the Bible, he never refers to him as God, but one time, only one time did Jesus ever say God when talking about his heavenly Father, and that's when he was on the cross. Remember, he said, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? And he did that for a lot of reasons. I, I don't have time. That's not my message today. He, he did not, uh, he knew that he was not forsaken by his Father. He's quoting Psalm 22, verse 1. Uh, which is a psalm about the prophetic uh, proof of the Messiah, what he would do, what would be done to him, and what he would say. If you read Psalm 22, down in toward the latter portion of it, it actually says that the one who is suffering, that's Jesus on the cross, knew and knew that he was not forsaken and that the Father would not turn his back upon him. Uh, and so Jesus knew that. Another reason he cried that out, he's, he has entered into our suffering 
and into our flesh mentality where everybody in this room at one time or another, you have felt like you were forsaken by God. You express that in terms like, where is God at in all of this? Where was God when this happened or that happened or whatever? God is where he's always been. He's right there in you and with you and for you. And, uh, but there's so many people that don't know that. Uh, in this same chapter of Matthew 6, Jesus gives us what many people refer to as the Lord's Prayer. Uh, is really more our prayer than his, but Jesus says, pray like this. And he says, our Father who art in heaven. Isn't that something that he said, our Father? That he didn't say, my Father. But he used the term, our Father. If he's our Father, then to be, you know, you got to define, well, who's our who is our? What, what defines our father? What defines where we can call him father or not? And Paul cleared that up really good for us in Acts 17. When I was a little boy, uh, you know, it was all about, uh, even back when I was 12 years old, and we would have those little spurts in our life where our, we would, you know, I hate to say it that way, but when we would try to do the church thing, or my parents would. And I remember you know, uh, going to, to the particular church that we went to when I was 12 years old, and, and it was very uh, strict, very legalistic uh, in how they dressed and, and so, so many things. And so I knew at an early age who was in and who was out. Uh, and after church, we would go to places to eat, and you could look around and you could see the in, the ones that we were perceived to be in, and you could see those that were out. And so if you went to a restaurant and somebody's there in shorts and a tank top and they're eating their lunch, you know that they, did, they, they didn't just come from church. Because in those days you couldn't wear that kind of stuff to church, so they were out. And then uh, I was also taught that, uh, you, know, if you, you know, the smokers, all the smokers was out. You know, you couldn't smoke and go to heaven, you know. You can't see Jesus with a cigarette. So, so you'd see people that were smoking, and, and, the, and the group of the in crowd that I, at our church, said those people are out. And I remember being 12 years old and feel, feeling sorry for those people. I said, they're, they're out. They're not included. They're, and then sometimes what would really freak me, I'd ride by a church, and they would, people had done filed out, come down the front steps, standing outside, and they'd be smoking. And I'd go, man... That's really bad. And then a few times I had been in my life where I saw a, a person, you know, in a, in, in, a, in a priest outfit, you know, whatever outfit, I shouldn't call it outfit, but, you know, with a turnaround collar, and I, I thought, well, there's, you know, he's in. That guy's in. He's, you know, he's, he's in. And then I messed around one day and saw one of them pull out a cigarette and lit it up, and I said, that just scrambled my brain, you know. He's got, he, he's, he preaches, but then he's, he's smoking. How does that work? And, and we lived our lives on all this. If you ever just stop and think about the God that created the cosmos, the universe. And, and I've said this before, anytime any of us start trying to talk about God and define him, we're all out of our pay grade at that moment. But how arrogant it really is for anybody, any of us, to think that the God that created all that is could be defined and encapsulated in your 
description of him, which you wrote down in your statements of faith, your church doctrines and all that, and you box him in and fit him, wedge him into that, and you say, that's him. And, and we're in, and everybody else is out. If you ever just put your brain on that for a second, you know that that can't be true. Now, in Acts chapter 17, Paul told us who our father is. If he's your father, that means you're his child. You're his kid. And so Paul is at a place in Athens, and it's called Mars Hill. Uh, it, he is surrounded by heathens, pagans, if you will. He is surrounded by statues and idols. And he is surrounded by idol-worshiping people. And he finds a statue there that says, To the unknown God. And so Paul, being such a wise uh, preacher of the gospel, he says that he's going to explain to them. And he uses that to, um, as a point of connection with them. And, uh, and so in, in uh, Acts 17, verse 26, listen to what he says. He said, And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth. Now, we need, we need to really let that soak in. He's made from one blood. Not different blood, one blood. And the word nation translated into English nation is the Greek word ethnos. So we, where we derive our word ethnic from or race. So what he is saying is he has made from one blood every race of men. A lot of people can look at their race and say, brother, you're my brother because you're the same race as me, and that makes you my brother. A lot of people think they're brothers because they're in the same motorcycle club. I've always loved motorcycles all my life. Often on all my life, I've had several of them and uh, would like one to ride one now if I wasn't worried about all the crazy people running me over. I'm getting a little too old to get run over by People don't pay attention, but I love motorcycles, love Harleys, love all that, and have rode them all my life. Just ain't no feeling like this riding it. And, uh, and I always love that about riding motorcycles because no matter where you're at, when you meet another guy coming on a motorcycle, even if he's on a rice rocket, you know what I'm saying? No offense, but you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, don't worry about it. But no matter what kind of motorcycle they're riding, when you meet one another, I'd be riding that Harley, and I see a biker coming the other way, and I'd just throw that hand down like that, give him that peace sign. And that brother dropping his hand, you see what I called him? That's my brother. What made us brothers? I don't know that dude. He don't know me, but he's on a motorcycle, and I'm on a motorcycle. I even heard people that got Jeeps do that with each other. It's like a club. If you got a Jeep and one Jeep person to wave at the other Jeep person. Because you're like their brothers. And you see that camaraderie. Some people's brothers because they're in the same gang. They're my gang brother. That's why they call it the bloods. Or the, you know, the, that mentality that we have. And I have found myself in these last few years, and my wife would say this, and I, I haven't really, I've almost done it subconsciously. But when I'm out at a, anywhere, like out in a restaurant or whatever, or the waiter is waiting on me, I, you know, I say, thank you, brother. Now, sometimes I can kind of tell people, look at me like, but I still have yet to have the first time, I ain't your brother. 
Man, I want somebody to do that to me. Because I'm going to whip out my phone and read Acts 17 and show them whether you are my brother. Your problem is you just don't know it. And so that's what Jesus said the problem was. He, he said that, I'll come back to Acts uh, 17, but let me read John 17, uh, verse 25. Jesus in his prayer to his father, he says, O righteous father, the world has not known you. See, that's the problem. We, we just don't know. This world out here running around all over the world, the, 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 their problem is ignorance. That's what Satan deals in, is keeping people ignorant of who their father is and, and how much he loves them. But he said, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known you that, uh, that, you've, known that you have sent me. And he's talking about his disciples there with him. And he says, and I love his statement in verse 26, and I have declared them your name and will declare it. Jesus takes personal responsibility for revealing this. And he says uh, that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. That, that's what, he wants them to know that. That God loves you just as much as he does Jesus. Because you're in Christ and Christ is in you. Now Jesus in John chapter 1 Verse 18 made an amazing statement. He says, no one has seen God at any time. No one. Moses didn't. Moses didn't see God. Abraham didn't see God. Isaac didn't see God. Jacob didn't see God. David didn't see God. Jeremiah didn't see God. Elisha didn't see God. Ezekiel didn't see God. Nobody in the Old Covenant ever saw God. They caught glimpses of his character, of his nature. That's why there's so many names of God. When, that, when Abraham caught that glimpse of God, when that ram was caught in the thicket on Mount Moriah, uh, he called him El Shaddad, the, the God, the, the, our provider. Uh, they, 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 those little glimpses of God. But nobody had ever seen God. They didn't understand God. And not one person in the Old Covenant, from Genesis all the way to Malachi, those 39 books of the Bible, not one person ever referred to God with the name Father. Nobody. No one used that expression. No one ever thought that they could talk about God as, and call him Father, and nobody dreamed that they could ever call him their Father. Nobody dreamed that. And yet Jesus says no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is the, in the bosom of the Father has declared him to you. Jesus said, my mission was to show you the Father. Of course, they told him one time, remember, show us the Father. Jesus said, he who has seen me, you have seen the Father. Jesus said, I and the, and the Father are one. My passion for you and everybody is to know that the God that we call God is not different than Jesus. Never has been, never will be. They are one. One in essence, one in character, one in nature, one. And, and Jesus said, I have come to reveal the Father. I've come to, to show you the Father. Remember when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But that's not the full sentence. Verse, if you will. But it says, comma, and no man comes to the Father 
except by me. Listen, Jesus is the way, but the Father is the destination. You're trying to go to heaven. Jesus is trying to get us to the Father. Because if you get where the Father is, you home. You know what makes your house a home? Because Father's there. Your father can move from one house to the house you was raised in and live in another house, but that, that other house ain't home no more. Why? Because the father don't live there. Daddy done moved to a new house. Now it's home. Why? Because the father lives there. And that's what makes it. Now back in Acts 17, Paul's talking to all these pagan people, all these idol-worshiping people uh, at, at Mars Hill, and in verse 26 of Acts 17, he says he's made from one blood every ethnos, every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and their boundaries of their dwelling so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Now what, God is, what, what Paul is saying there, that this thing, this relationship with the Father is not limited ge by geography. It's not that you got to live in Jerusalem to be able to, to have a relationship with the Father. That's what he's trying to convey to them. Now, people back in that time and even till today, they tie their religion to a location. People go on pilgrimages. You know, in religions like Islam, they, they, go on, they go to Mecca. They go to these places because they feel like everything's tied to them. Christians go to Jerusalem. Nothing wrong with that. But you're not limited. If I don't ever go to Jerusalem, see still my father. It's not tied to some geographical place. I don't have to go to a certain temple or to a certain building. Because if you, you read just a few verses above where I'm reading, he said God is not worshipped by any um, human hands, nor is he contained in any buildings. He, he, he's, not, he's not. He's bigger than that. But he says in verse 28, this is an amazing thing. For in him... Now, he's, keep in mind the audience. He is talking to religious, idol-worshiping pagans. And he says, he tells them, for in him we live, we move, we have our being. See, some Christians think that just means them. Paul ain't even talking to Christians when he said that. Are y'all okay? He said, in him we live, in him. First off, you need to know you're in him. Well, I'm not a Christian, so what else you got? You know who else ain't a Christian? God. Did I say something wrong? Show me where he is. God ain't no Christian. Christian is a religion. Jesus didn't come from heaven to start a religion called Christianity. Jesus came to show us the Father. Good morning. I, it's just amazing to me. People get so, you know, it's like they, you know, he said, God's not a Christian. I'll throw another one on you. God's not a male. God's not a female. God's not a Baptist. God's not Pentecostal, Methodist, Nazarene, Tangerine, Assembly of God, Church of God. I mean, none of that. It's a hard job I have to knock the religion out of you. So you can just see the pure, unadulterated God of love. 
God of grace. In Him. See, Paul didn't know this. I tell you this often because I want you to get it. Paul's murdering Christians. Paul's doing all kind of ridiculous stuff in the name of religion. Not in the name of Christianity, in the name of Judaism. He's murdering Christians. He thinks that he's in and they're out. So you got to kill the outers. Make more room for just the inners, you know. So he's doing that in the name of God. It's a jihad. It's a holy war. God's on our side. He's not on their side. Therefore, I'm killing them. And people do that today. And so God says, you know, we got to stop this. He just don't know. And he was really educated religiously, but he didn't know God. He thought he knew all the stuff about God. And he taught about God, and he had been trained by the great philosophers and the religious leaders of his day, but he didn't know God. He didn't know he was in God, or rather that God was in him. And so when that great light on the Damascus Road shone so brightly that Paul could not see and fell off the horse or whatever he was riding on, and he was literally physically blinded. God didn't slap him off the horse. God's not the Godfather. He don't beat people up, break legs, or give cancer. But Paul fell to the ground, and in a vision he saw Jesus. And the Lord said to him, Paul, or Saul, Saul, which was his Hebrew name, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? <laughs> I always thought that was funny. He said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. Jesus took it personally. He said, these people that you're killing, that's my kids, and therefore what you're doing to them, you're doing to me, and you're persecuting me. Why are you doing this? Paul couldn't see because religion had blinded his eyes. And for three days physically, he could not see anything in the natural. So he was led by the hand to a place. But in this vision, the Lord told him to go to a, to a street named Straight, and there you'll meet a man named Ananias, and he will pray for thee. Ananias is a Greek name which means favor or grace. Don't miss the point. It took grace to open the eyes of a religiously blind man named Paul or Saul. About this point, people, Christians, say God changed his name. God never changed his name. Paul changed his name. Because his commission was, by God, to go to the Gentile nations, heathen nations, if you will, how the Jews saw them. And Paul said to have more favor with them and maybe a more inroad, I will use my Greek name. And he, Paul and Saul mean the same thing. Saul's just Hebrew, Paul is Greek. And Paul was going to try to minister to the Greek people, which is what he was doing at Mars Hill. And he went by Paul. And he had an inroad into their lives maybe a, a little better than going in as seemingly as a Judaizer or a Hebrew. And so Paul says in Acts 17 that he says that uh, my screen's done saved on me. He says, for in him we live, move, and have our being, as also some of you, your own poets, have said. And then he says, for we are also his what? His what? Offspring. When you refer to somebody as that's your offspring, I realize that's not a word that Americans use a lot, but if you were to refer and you pointed at someone and said, that's my offspring, what would you mean by that statement? <laughs> 
That means what? That's your children. That's your kids. You would never refer to somebody, and I would never point to somebody in the restaurant, and it's a stranger to me, and I would point and say, that's my offspring. That'd be weird, wouldn't it? First off, Jill would be upset and want to have a conversation. I wouldn't say that about if they were not my children. Paul said, I want all of you to understand that you are God's children. You are all his offspring. Now, a lot of Christians wish that wasn't in the Bible, but ah, tough cookies, it is. It's in there. And Paul's talking to these pagan, idol-worshiping people who don't know God, who has a statue to the unknown God, which is what Jesus said the world's problem is they don't know you. And they don't build a statue that says we don't know you. And Paul said, I'm going to start with that because that's your problem. You just don't know. And Paul said, him I want to introduce to you. And then Paul begins to preach the gospel to those people. Now, after they heard Paul talk, they said, well, we will hear thee again on this matter. Because they were very philosophical. They liked to think about things. And the Greek mentality is to think about it and have long discussions and do the Socrates thing and, and all that stuff. But Paul ministered Jesus to those people. And he wanted them to know that he was true. Now listen to me. Think of the problems it would solve in the world if we looked at people as, that's my brother or that's my sister. If a person's really, if you look at all people as God's kids, that makes them your brother. And that's why Jesus taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven. If it's our Father, then who's our? And if you'll stop trying to figure out who's in and who out, you know, and then you're in because you said the prayer. No, Paul said what happened to me on the Damascus Road was I did not know that Christ was in me. And he told the Galatians that in Galatians. He said, when it pleased the Lord who separated me from my mother's womb to reveal Christ in, not to, me. He said, God revealed Christ. He was in me the whole time. I didn't know it. And that was Paul's burning passion. And that's my burning passion so that everybody will know that Christ is in him. Remember the guy, we, my precious brother over here? And you, it was your birthday, right? Your birthday or anniversary? Your birthday. He went over and, and helped us mow this guy's yard. I told you, know, some of you won't know. But it was this guy I met and just really in a rough situation. And, and my heart went out so much to him. And I just asked some of the brothers, if there was any in the church, that would go help me mow his yards and clean up his place. And, and, and several, three or four guys went. And that guy is still so touched by that. I was on vacation. He called me three times while I was on vacation. He is my buddy for life now. And uh, he calls me all the time. And he's always saying, well, I answer the phone. And he'll say, what you doing? <laughs> and I, you know, this time when he called me, he said, what you doing? I said, I'm, I, you know, I'm on, va- I'm on vacation with my family down in Florida. And, and, but he still wants to keep talking a little while. And the other night, just the third time he called me, uh, I was lying on our, our bed there, and Jill was standing in that bathroom, you know, getting all fixed up. And, and so I answered the phone, had him on speaker so she could hear him, you know, and he called me. And uh, he said, what you doing? <laughs> and I said, I'm going to go out, and we're about to get ready to go out to eat. And uh, so we, we just chatted. But he, what he called for, he said, man, it's a tremendous, there's a big storm. You know, he lives between Ray City and Nashville, big storm. 
and all our power's out. And he said, man, the wind's blowing and it's rough. And he said, can you hear the pine cones and limbs hitting top of the trailer? And I could. My wife said she could hear them. Just boom, man. You know, so we just chatted about it. I said, stay in that trailer, man. Don't you get out there. And he said, I ain't finna get hit in the head by one of the pine cones. And, you know, and we just chatted and just had a conversation and talked. And, and uh, when we got ready to hang up, he said, well, tell your wife and tell all your family that I love them. And what he said, babe, it just broke her heart to hear him. Because most of the time I just talk to him when I'm out working or whatever. Here's a guy that didn't think anybody, if you looked at this guy, you would say he's homeless. If you saw him away from his property, as you looked at him, you'd say he's homeless. Uh, but he's not homeless, but he, he would appear that by some people's standard. Uh, they would ignore him on that basis. And so, and I think you'd agree. When we went over there, if you didn't see him on this property, you'd have said, that's a homeless dude, right? I mean, I ain't making that up. And we loved on him that day. We cleaned his yard. We mowed his yards. We carried food. We hooked up a TV for him. I carried him an antenna. It was the TV that brought tears. It wasn't the groceries. <laughs> it was the TV. But if you understand that for, for months, he had a TV that he would turn on, and you went in there with me to hook it up. If I didn't have him, I couldn't, because I didn't have my reading glasses, I couldn't see. I had to have, <laughs> had to have him come in there. And I was like, please help me. I can't even see where this goes or whatever. And, uh, and he carried the antenna and run it out on the trailer. In the first place we put it, we didn't get a signal. We carried it to the other side. And I think we ended up with, what, 40 channels or something like that. But he had been sitting there when I went in there, and, I, and the TV was on, but it just had like a screensaver, like a screen, one screen. And, and he said, this is all I watch. I said, well, that's a screensaver. It don't move. He said, well, that's all I get. <laughs> and then he said, I got a brand new TV. Somebody gave him a couple years ago, still in the box. I never even owned it because he said, I, don't got, I can't afford Dish Network and that stuff. And, and we, we, you know, so I, I said, We're gonna carry, I'm going to carry you an antenna. And, uh, but he told me even this week when he called one time, he is enjoying that TV. He, he's got you. Remember, and he told us, you was in there with me, he said, this TV is so clear that it's looking back at me. <laughs> that guy's whole world has changed just because somebody loved on him. I told you when I first went over, and this don't make me nothing now. I'm just trying to tell you. That's, I'm just trying to help you see brothers and sisters. And when I saw this guy, uh, and then I told him, I said, we're going to come uh, and we're going to mow your yards if that's okay. And, and he said, man, you know, I would love that. He said, I, 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 don't, I can't do that no more. I don't, I don't, none of my lawnmowers work. And I said, we're going to come, some brothers from my church. And I remember I called him before we went, and I know I told you this, but I said, now, uh, we, you know, we're coming. I just want to be sure you, you know, you're still good with everything. We'll be there Saturday at 2 o'clock. He said, oh, yeah. Well, he said, I, he said, I I'm, I'm, can't wait. And, uh, and so on the phone, he said, man, he said, y'all must have a really good pastor to uh, let you, you know, have men from your church come and help, help me out like this. And uh, I said, well, we do. I hate to ever tell anybody I'm a pastor because it changes the, dyna the dynamic of the conversation and the relationship most of the time because it brings in religion in their mind, not in mine. 
And so then he said, he pushed the point. He said, I would like to meet your pastor sometime. Now, what am I to do with that? And I said, well, you actually already met him. And he said, when? I ain't never met your preacher. I said, I am the pastor. And he said, uh-oh. That's the first thing he said, uh-oh. He said, all the profanity I've been using, I'm scared now. I said, you don't need to be scared. I ain't worried about that. And he said, uh, you ain't like no preacher I ever met. And I said, how so? He said, every preacher I ever met in my life, all they want to talk to me about was coming to their church. He said, you ain't mentioned your church to me, and you ain't asked me to come. I said, it's not because I don't want you to come. You don't have any transportation, and that's not why we're here. We're here because you need help, and we love you, and God loves you, and we just want to be a blessing to you. That's the only reason we're here. He said, well, one day I'm going to get a ride over there, and I'm going to come to your church. I said, well, that'll be fine, and you're always welcome. And I said, call me now before you come so I'll be knowing, you know, looking for you. But I said, that's not why we're here. And riding that day to the store, carrying him to the store after we got through mowing everything, he wanted me to take him to Ray City to the store. And so he, he reached over and grabbed my hand and held on to it. And he said, why would you do this? Why? And I said, because God loves you, man. And he started calling me now brother. So he calls me brother. See, that changes everything. Because if a guy's your brother, then you can't really be mad at him. Because that's your brother that you're showing out to. You know what, you know what I mean? You can't enslave someone if that's your brother. You see all the problems it would have solved? You can't hate someone based on skin color if that's your brother. If you, that's why I said this. If you'll stare at a person long enough, no matter what, how they look, what color their skin is, if you stare at them long enough, I believe your first thing will happen is you'll see a human. A human being. Not a thing, not a, a human. And then if you can see them as human, the next thing you'll see is you'll see them as Jesus. Now, this is the big one that I'm trying to get you to see. How do I look at a person and see Jesus? Because Jesus said, if you've ever done anything to the least of this person, least of them, you did it to me. When you went and visited the person in prison, Jesus said, yeah, it was me you visited. And when you fed somebody that was hungry, that wasn't just you feeding them. You fed me because I'm in them. And that's my kid. See, listen, I love my children, and one of the most blessed, and I love my wife, and the most blessed thing that anybody's ever done, when you do something kind to my children, or my grandchildren, or my family, I am, my heart's so filled, I'm blessed because you did it to them, you did it to me. Yeah. Do, do you hear what I'm saying? And it changes everything. And now, it just changes the way I see the world. Now, I still ain't no, I'm, I'm, you know, I got my moments, I got my days. But man, I see the world different now. It's the world's different, because that's my brother. I'm not trying to be socially, politically correct. I'm trying to be biblically right. I'm trying to, be, I'm trying to do it like Jesus said to do it. And, and see, when I first got in this kingdom, come to realize I'm in it, I didn't know God was Father. All I saw God was God. And I, unfortunately, back then, I saw him more like the Godfather instead of Father God. 
Because the God they preached to me would break legs, give you cancer, try and teach you something and all that kind of stuff. Something you would never do to your kids, but they accused him of doing it. Ridiculous. But, so, so Jill and I, you know, we got married in 1980. And, uh, and if you remember the, the 80s, particularly the early part, it was pretty tough. Double digit in, uh, uh, interest rate, mortgage rates. In fact, the first house we ever built, uh, our interest rate was over 10%. And people now fussing about it being six and seven and whatever it is now. Uh, and it was tough. And I, you know, and when she was home and I was on one working paramedic and, you know, it was, it was tough. And, and the thing that God wants you to know is you, you have a father. And Jesus said, when I go back and leave, leave earth and go back to heaven, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. When Jesus said, don't worry because your heavenly father, you know, the people that worry don't know they got a father. But if you knew you had a father, you wouldn't worry. Wouldn't worry about what? Food, clothes, car, light. You wouldn't worry about it because you would know you have a father that cares about you. So when me and Jill was first, you know, trying to get things going, uh, you know, we, 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 wanted, we were living in an apartment. And sometimes apartments, you might, maybe you just really love it, but in, in our apartment it wasn't fun because we, we were surrounded by crazy people. And so, like one night in our adjacent apartment, and it was all one level, wasn't multi-level, it was one level. And, and, and the guy next to us had a girlfriend. And so she was apparently mad with him somewhere around 3 o'clock in the morning. And she drove her car onto the grass and pulled it up to his window with her lights on and was just working the horn. Because apparently he wouldn't answer her calls, so she figured out another way to get his attention. But she woke me up. And I'm like, I got to get out of this place, man. We lived there three years and, you know... Anyway, I just wasn't happy with our situation. We don't got two kids. Now we're going to have a third one on the way. I mean, you know, there's not enough room in here, you know. And I got a little country in me. I'd go out in the flower bed in the, gar in the apartment complex, and I'd plant, you know, pepper plants or you know, a little something like that, tomato plant. And here come the guy that cleans the apartment with his weed eater, just mowed them all down one day. I just got them up. Where they going to start making banana peppers? And here the guy, to, I mean, don't you know the difference between a weed and a banana pepper? <laughs> It was frustrating. So we found, we, we, you know, we, my dad said, and he knew we was frustrated. My dad, my earthly dad, with the Lord, my dad loved us. It was so good to have a dad. And, and dad said, you know, son, I know y'all want to get out of those apartments. He said, there's eight acres land. I'm going to buy all eight acres of it. And I'm going to give you, you know, y'all just, you pick out an acre and you and Jill can have it. Y'all can put a, a double wide on it, whatever you want to do. And I was like, you'll do that, dad? He said, yeah, I'd love to do that. And I said, where's that? And he said, well, come on, ride with me out there, and I'm, I'm going to carry you out and show it to you. So we rode out there. We went down this road, and the lot was shaped like a, like a cone. It pointed. There was a dirt road on the backside, paved road, and it went right to that where them roads intersected, and then it widened out, of course, on the bottom. And, and so he, Dad said, just pick out where you want. And he said, and I'm going to put, like, some trailers on the rest of this and rent them out, but you, you and Jill get you an acre, and, and y'all do what you want to. And he said, I'm just going to, you know, give it to you. And man, I was like, well, finally something's going to happen for us here. So I went, and I went to the dirt road side. I was so sick of people, I was just wanting to try to get to some dirt road. I, and I stood on that one acre, and I said, Daddy, I, I want this spot right here then. He said, you sure you want the dirt road part, son? And I said, yes, sir, I'd rather be on dirt road. I'd rather face dirt road there. And he said, all right. And he said, well, I want to get the paperwork done and all that, and, and this be your spot then. I said, that's what I want. We were excited, weren't we, baby? We were busting off it on Sunday afternoon. We'd go to them trailer places. We was looking at double wides. You know how they got all that fake fruit in there? 
and everything ready, looking like it's somebody living in there. And we could just see ourselves in there. Man, now we got the lamb. We don't have to worry about that. We're going to put a double out there. We're going to get out in the apartments. Cha-ching, hallelujah, Jesus going to work for us. Long, you know, weeks go by. Dad comes back and says, sorry, son. It ain't going to work out. I, I, so, I, I so hate to disappoint y'all, but it just ain't going to work out for me to get that property. I said, well, it's all right, Dad. Don't worry about it. Something happened, you know. Man, I was heartbroken. Ooh, and I had to go tell Jill. But we were so excited. And I'd seen her crushed by a lot of things because we were struggling trying to do that thing, you know, the home thing. We just couldn't do it. So it didn't. I had to go break her heart. That you know, ain't going to work out. A oh. few weeks goes by, several weeks go by. I don't know how long. could have been a month or so. I picked up the ADL News one day, reading in the paper and the warrant ads, and I saw land for sale. Uh, 1.25 a lot for sale uh, near uh, town. Call this number. That's all it said. So I, I called the number. And the guy answered on the other end, didn't know him. He introduced himself. He didn't know me. And, and he says, yeah, I got, I got two lots I want to sell. They're both 1.25 acres, and I'll be glad to show them to you. And I said, well, I'd like to see them. Uh, I, I said, where are they at? So he starts telling me how to get there. It sounds very much like where Daddy was going by. So he keeps talking, and then I was like inside. I can't be the same spot. I drive out there, meet the guy there, and I pull up. He's sitting there on that same spot. And then my, my negative brain that just built to stay negative I said, I bet he's going to sell that cone head right here in that little, he's going to sell the cone tip up in there and then keep this other good stuff for himself. So I get out, shake hands, introduce. He said, my name's Mike. I'm, I'm Dale. I'm introducing. I said, well, which, what, what part of this are you going to sell? He said, these two lots back here. He walked me back to the dirt road part where I stood with my feet on it months, a month or two before. And he said, I'm going to sell this one right here, and I'm going to sell the one that hits the payroll. They're both 1.25 acres. And... Uh, he said, you know, would you be interested in that? And, of course, you got to keep it low-key, you know, because you don't want to be freaking out. So I said, well, I might be. How much you want for it? <laughs> he said, well, I won't. I, back those days, I think it was, what, you remember? Okay, see, she's good with them. Uh, so it was 2500 for that dirt road lot, and he said, I want 3000 for the paved road. Now, i got a poverty mentality at this time because we ain't never had nothing, you know what I'm saying? So I go, well, I'll take this right here. He said, well, listen, man, I know you, I know of you, and my wife went to school with you and graduated with you, and she knows you. She told, I told her I was meeting you out here. We want you to have both lots. First thing out of my mouth, don't ever be stupid like me. First thing out of my mouth, I said, I can't afford that. You don't even know what you can't afford. Stop saying that. Come on, I can't afford. No, you can't, but your daddy can. So I said, I, I can't afford that. He lets he let me talk. And he said, I'm going to do 2500 here and 3000 up there. And uh, then he just kept pushing it. And I said, well, I, want, I definitely want this right here. And I said, can I write you a check, you know, kind of secure it? And I wrote him a check for $50. <laughs> he don't know how much, about drain my checking account. Had him out check for $50. And, and I just want him, I want to get some money change in hand so I know I get this lot. Because I'm tired of being disappointed. Get the lot. He said, walked me to my truck. He said, listen, man, I want you to have both of them. Well, I, I couldn't do that. He said, why not? I said, well, I couldn't afford it because i got to get my little truck paid for, and I couldn't do nothing before I get my little truck, my little Chevy S10 paid for. He said, how much long you got on it before you get it paid for? I said, eight months. He said, I'll wait eight months in. He said, I want you to have both lots. And so we go to the lawyer's office, and I finally agreed to it because he said, I ain't got to start paying on the front lot for eight months. 
get my truck off of me, I do that. So we go to the lawyer's office, and at that point, I, I was new meeting this lawyer, and, and, and he's drawing up the papers. And, 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 so, and I said, well, if you're going to wait eight months, how much interest are you going to charge me? This is a guy I just met. He said, how about zero? Is that good for you? How about none? I said, well, that sounds good. He just keeps knocking down my objections. We go to the lawyer's office, and the lawyer stops as we're reading all the paperwork. He says, are y'all kin to one another? See, we really were brothers, but they, we didn't know it. We said, no, we're not kin. He said, well, that's fine. He said, most people don't do the enter these kind of agreements unless they're family, but that's good. That's good. So we drew up the paperwork. God provided for me to get that other lot long before I got the little truck paid for. Uh, I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to get you to see is what broke my heart in a good way is my dad, my natural father, did the best he could do, but he was limited. Now, I stood on that. Now, you can go coincidence if you want to, but I done been in this a long time. But my heavenly father, your heavenly father, saw me stand, his kids stand on that dirt. And he saw my heart and my desire for that dirt. God's not a God just meets your needs. The Bible said he gives you desires of your heart. So I stood on that dirt. And God says your natural father did the best that he could do, couldn't, was limited. But son, I'm going to get you that same piece of dirt. Out of all the land in Cook County, I'm bringing you right back here. And, I, and I'm going to give you favor with this man. And he's going to give you not only that lot, but you're going to get, the, you're going to get double for your trouble. And you're going to get the front lot. And now instead of having one acre, you got 1.25 there, 1.25 there. That's two and a half anyway. You slice it. And what I didn't know was that that dirt road part would not percolate for a septic tank. Come on, Jesus. It, I couldn't have put a house there if I wanted to. And the only land that would percolate was the one that faced the paved roadside. And God smarter than me. And God says, you're going to have to build your house up here. And then you're going to use that back lot to get you a couple of horses, which was the dream of your kid's heart, to have a horse one day. To achieve God. And God started me out seeing that I, me, Dale Young has not a God that is some legal God sitting on the bench to judge me with a gavel, but you have a heavenly Father who cares about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what, what goes on in your life. And it took God a lot of time to get that message across to me. Listen, son, stop worrying. You have a Father, a heavenly Father that cares for you. Now, I don't mean God's a bail you out Santa Claus. Or bail hop, ring the bell, he runs to the desk, and what can I get you? I don't mean that. And I, there's a lot of things I can't understand. But God put on, God went on a tear helping me because I needed help. And so we, we I told you I'm going to do this real quick. I, we went on a trip uh, uh, to, to, to uh, West Texas, to El Paso, to see her parents. On the way out there, the air conditioner on my van went out. It, it quit. We had that little minivan. We had the kids running around all in the back, you know. And, and, and the air conditioner quit. July, this is a fact, not making this up. Jeannie used to live in El Paso. She knows how it gets. I looked in the El Paso Times while we were there, 107 degrees. Okay, this is dry heat. Dry, 107 is hot any way you slice it. Okay. I carried the van reluctantly to Rudolph Chevrolet in El Paso, Texas. I got it worked on. I took it, and, and I didn't have no money. I'm all heartbroken. I'm disappointed. I, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't have that kind of money, but I got to get the thing fixed. I give them a credit card. That's 18% interest. It's making me nauseated, but I got to do it. Hand them the card. They charged me 500 something dollars. Uh, you know, I was driving it back to where they lived, her mom and dad lived, and it quit again. Now, I did not speak in tongues, but I did speak. 
And I turned it right around and rolled right back up there. And I said, it's done, quit again. And I done got $500 on credit card and it don't work no better than when I brought it to you. And I'm trying to be nice, because I'm a Christian. So I'm trying to be nice. And I said, well, let me ask you this, dude. If I drove this van in here and it didn't have no air conditioner, didn't even have one, how much would it cost me to get one? He said, about $900. Okay, I just said, well, I just want to know where the ceiling's at. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They worked on it again, added another $200, so I had a $710 bill when they got through with me. Drove it away the second time, it worked good. Now, I, my wife said, well, you know, we, her family, we were supposed to go up into uh, Cloud Croft. We was going to go, I don't know where I was going, up in New Mexico. And, uh, I, and I told her, I said, I ain't going nowhere. We got all this money on this card. It's going to ruin our trip. Well, I ain't going nowhere. Now, what I didn't tell you was, is, is when I got that van, I had just started preaching. When I got that van, I had, we lived in those little apartments, and I, I got all my three uh, youngins out there, and I said, uh, we're going to anoint this van with oil. We're going to slick her down with some olive oil. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I'm going to anoint this van, prove and dedicate it to the Lord. And so I did that. We stand out in that apartment complex, and I got my hand on that van. I done put me a cross in the shape with olive oil. And I said, Lord, I dedicate this van to you. I pray the angels be the rear guard. You go before us. And, and I did all that. And I said, Lord, and I said these words. I said, Lord, this is your van. And I'm going to use this van to haul my family around and preach the gospel. It's your van. And I'm like, Shikamo Shunda, Untama Botai, Suzuki, Kawasaki, Honda. Amen. Now I'm through. Now I'm in El Paso, Texas. Van tore up. Air conditioner bill, $710. I'm mad. I know y'all ain't never done anything like this. I'm all been out of shape with God because this is what I was doing. Well, why ain't got to be my van? Why ain't got to happen now? Why couldn't it happen in, in the area where I could have got a, a guy I know that's got a shade tree and a toolbox that have done a lot cheaper than this? I mean, why I got to be dealing with all this? And it's just ruined everything. And, uh, you know, I'm, I was just having a pity party. And I, I was acting like we call it in South Georgia, I was acting ugly. And I said, well, I ain't doing nothing. We, 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 we broke. We got this money waiting on us, 18% interest. Take me years to pay this off. I ain't going nowhere. I ain't having no fun this trip through it. Leave me alone. So she leaves me alone. I'm in the bedroom at her parents' house by myself sitting on the bed, and I'm ticked off at God, and I just said this to God. I don't understand you. <laughs> what a stupid statement. I don't understand you. If you could understand God, you'd be him. I said, I don't understand you. Why you let this happen? Why you could have stopped this? You could see I had a weird view of God back then. And 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 when I got through ranting, well, I didn't even consider it praying, I was just fussing. When I got through, I'm telling you before you as a witness, I'm telling you I heard the Lord's voice just as clear as if you talked to me. You ever heard God audibly? Yes, I have. That was one of the times. And this is what I heard him say. He said, son. I thought you said it was my van. That's all he said. Son, I thought you said it was my van. And when he said that, I saw that video image of me out there in that parking lot of that apartment complex slicking that van down with olive oil and saying, dedicating it to the Lord, and this is your van. And a revelation hit me. I'm not making this up. A revelation hit me, and I said, because I had forgot it was his van. I thought it was my van. I thought I didn't have a father that cared about my van, and so that's why I was worried. All of a sudden, a revelation hit me, and I said, it is your van. And if it's your van, that's your air conditioner. 
And if that's your air conditioner, that's your air conditioner tore up, and that's your bill on my Visa card from Rudolph Chevrolet. And I got happy. And I got convicted of my bad attitude. And she'll tell this is true. And I come right out of that bedroom, you know, sheepishly. But I came out and I said, because uh, I was acting ugly in front of her parents, too. Because right at that moment, I didn't care. Preacher, no preacher, I'm just finna show out. So I, I said, uh, I said, I, I am so sorry for what I did a while ago and, and that display. I'm sorry for acting like that, for saying what I said. I said, I'm supposed to be a preacher, supposed to be an example to y'all, and I'm sorry for that. Please forgive me. And I said, I am going on the trip up to uh, Cloudcroft and uh, Amagorda, New Mexico. We're going to do all that we plan to do, and I ain't going to worry about that air conditioner bill, and I'm sorry for, for acting like an idiot. And let's enjoy our time together on vacation. And that's what we did. And, uh, and you'll like me better when I did that. And so we got home. This is the truth. We got home. And I didn't tell anybody about it. I didn't, I, I didn't tell anybody about it. And uh, we, uh, so I went back to work at the Amateur Service of Tifton. My wife called me one morning, and, and, I, you know, and she called, and she said, uh, and I said, what's wrong? <laughs> she said, ain't nothing wrong. I just want to tell you something. She said, a uh, person just came to the back door and told me they were praying this morning, and the Lord spoke to them and said, we had a financial need, and he came and wanted to, to, to be a blessing to us. And she said he counted five $100 bills into my hand. And I said, that is wonderful, but the bill was 710. <laughs> I said, the brother missed God by $210. <laughs> Ain't that what I told you? I said, you should have prayed longer. And uh, I really did. I, I'm sorry. I, I've grown a lot since then, okay? I was a young guy. So she, and I was like, well, praise the Lord. God, that's 500 of it. Hallelujah. That Sunday, I was preaching at Vickers Holiness Baptist Church, if anybody knows where that's at. That, my granddad used to pastor that church years ago. So I was preaching for those people, never mentioned nothing, didn't say anything, and got through preaching. And it's one of them churches where they walk you out the center with the pastor, and you stand at the vestibule and shake everybody's hand when they come out. And I was walking down the aisle with the pastor, and on this, a guy reached out and grabbed my arm and said, while you was preaching, God told me to give you this. And it was a check for $350. Within two weeks of me getting home, I had $850 in a top drawer, the chest drawer, waiting for that visa bill to get there. I never paid him one dime of interest, and it was all taken care of supernaturally by God. Because I have a Heavenly Father, and He knows about that kind of stuff, and what I'm trying to do today so I close this thing. I want you to know that that ain't for preachers. That's for you. That's for his kids. And what I tried to do is show you that you're all his kids. No matter what you think about yourself, how you judge yourself, whether you've prayed to prayer, didn't pray to prayer, you know, what group you're hanging with, what you don't hang with, what you believe, what you don't believe. It don't, none of that don't matter. You're God's kids. And he sees you as that. And he loves you as that. And I want us to look at people as, that's my brother. That's my sister. When I feed them, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it unto Jesus. I, what, 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 what if they, you give them that money and they buy drugs? I still did it to Jesus. I'm, I'm not getting credit for, for drug buying. I'm getting credit for loving people like Jesus loved people. You, you understand? But I'm not doing it to get credit. I'm doing it because that's my brother. That's my sister. 
And, what that, and God slowly, it took him many times, I can give you testimony after testimony, particularly in our early marriage, where God showed me, son, I am real, and I'm concerned about what you're concerned about, and even if it's just things like your air conditioner tearing up, I'm here for you. You have a heavenly father. You don't need to worry. You don't need to live your life as an orphan mentality that you're on your own and you don't have a father. And I want to tell you people, that makes you not worry as much. <laughs> and it makes him more real. And this is what I heard, I felt like God said to me one day. He said, son, if you find me to be real in these practical things, these daily things, this mammon, this stuff, could it be that I would also be real in the bigger things? If I'm real here, why wouldn't I be real there? And, 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 it, and it boosted my faith in him and my, 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 my faith in him as a father. Stand with me. Every one of you precious people. I, I believe there's people here today that, man, there's some things, there's some, there might be some big things coming down the pipeline financially that's worrying you. Like if God, you don't come through, I'm toast here. It could be a bankruptcy coming down the track. It could be all kinds. Of, it doesn't matter what that is. I wish I had more time to encourage you with story. God has come through so many times. And there's been times that God, you know, didn't come through like I wanted to. He didn't show up. The Brinks truck didn't back up to the house. I didn't get the check in the mailbox. But he still provided. And he still took care of me. And when you believe in your heart and you know in your heart that I have a heavenly father. This ain't just about Father's Day. Every day is Father's Day with him because you have a father in heaven who loves you. He tried to convey that and say, listen, look at the sparrows, man. They don't sow. They don't plant. They don't have barns to store stuff. And he said, I tell you that not one of them falls out of a tree to the dirt that I don't, I'm not aware of it. And are you not more valuable to me than sparrows? Don't he, he said, I, the hairs of your head are not counted in totality, but they're numbered. God knew when you calmed this morning when hair number 27 hit the ground. Your hairs are numbered. Nobody, you don't know yourself. God just says, he, what is he trying to tell us with that imagery? I know about you. Intrinsically, specifically, microscopically, I know you. Dear lady, you're sitting on this side. You, the Lord sees your heart that you want a home. You're going to get that home because you have a father. You think it's tougher for God to do something with air conditioning or home than it is for him to fix God, God's going to provide. I remember we thought we were never going to have a home. But God made a way for us to have a home. I got right down to the end, and the mortgage company said, you got to have this kind of money to, uh, to put down. And, 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 and I had to sign something that I didn't borrow it from nobody. And I didn't have nobody to borrow it from. And I didn't know what I was going to do. You remember the amount that it was? It was like $3,600. I come in from work one day, and I was worried about that. I had that weight on me. And I come in from work. And my wife, she was standing there in that little apartment we lived in, and she was just dangling a check. And she was so happy. And she said, this came in the mail today. And I was like, give me that check. Let me look at this. 
And I was looking, this is one, I thought it was one of them sweepstake things that just come in and look like a check, but ain't really no check. I said, this ain't no check. This ain't, I said, it's one of them scams or something. I, she said, no, it's a check. This is the letter that went with it. And when we, when we first got married, we had bought a single-wide mobile home, put it on my grandmother's land, and apparently they had charged a wrong amount of interest to all of us, and it was one of those class-action lawsuits. And everybody that fooled with that company, I think it was Citicorp or something, they had to refund everybody some money back, and they sent us a check for like $4,000. And so I had, a, I had the money then to catch that 3600 and hand it to the mortgage people and, and it said, that's done. And we just stepped right into that little house with no problem. I've seen God do stuff like that so many times. And darling, just so you'll know who I'm talking to, you're back here with that kind of peachy shirt. You see, that's you, girl. That's who I'm talking to. God's, God sees your heart today. You may be new. I don't believe I've ever seen you in the building before. I may have. Forgive me if I have. But I want you to know God loves you. You, you. God sees you today. God knows your heart. And I just want you to know you're his daughter. And, 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 and you, you, you're going to walk into those things that you've dreamed about since being a little girl. And I just want you to be encouraged when you leave here today. You receive that today? Look at that smile. God bless you. Amen. 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 I looked back there a while ago and it was just like God just drew me to her so strong about that deal. I love to see God just bless his kids, man. Amen? Happy Father's Day. Say, I have a heavenly Father who loves me. Now listen, church, don't worry. Don't live like orphans. You got a papa. Amen? I'm here down front. It'd be my honor to talk with you, to pray with you for any reason. We believe our God saves, heals, delivers, sets free. We believe he helps people with whatever things going on in their life. It would be my honor and my elders' honors to pray with you if you want prayer. There's always an open altar here at Grace Point, okay? So if you want prayer, I'm going to dismiss the church. You come this way, and they won't stampede and run over you going that way. And, uh, and we want you to come back. Amen. Great crowd here today. God bless you guys for being here. Hey, how about doing this for me? You believe that there was some good news told today? How about sharing that with somebody that don't know that and invite them to come to church with you? They'll come with you. They won't come with me. But they'll come with you. And they'll come here if you'll invite them and reach out to them. And I'd like to fill every chair. I want to make uh, all of them have to go get us some more chairs out there. Make work my deacons back there. Amen. Okay. We love you. God bless you. Uh, if you want prayer, please come down front. Go enjoy your day. God bless you.